Rich, today we are sitting down with somebody who promises to help entrepreneurs become rich in business, and his goal is to develop 1 million millionaires. He told us he's got 161 of them already. I'm not sure I know anybody else who can account 161 millionaires as a result of applying their philosophy. And we go deep today into the 14 naming conventions that you can name a product or a service or a company or a tagline to make sure that it's remembered, it's memorable, and then ultimately people buy. Yeah, absolutely. His book, Brain Glue, promises to really have you think about the name of your company, the subtitle of your company or subtitle of your book or whatever you got going on in your world because naming really sticks with people on the right side of the brain and it's critically important. So without any further ado, here's Mr. James Bond. Hey entrepreneurs, are you looking to take your business to the next level? I'm sure you are. Listen up. The Entrepreneurs United Empowerment Experience is coming to Austin, Texas on October 2nd to the 4th, and you do not want to miss it. At this exclusive event limited to just 50 entrepreneurs, you'll have the opportunity to connect with other like-minded business owners and CEOs, learn from industry experts, and enjoy unique experiences that you will not find anywhere else. The Entrepreneurs United Experience will leave you feeling inspired, energized, and ready to take on whatever opportunities and challenges come your way. So mark your calendars now for October 2nd to the 4th, and join us at the Omni Barton Creek Resort in Austin, Texas. You will not regret it. Visit entrepreneursunited.us to learn more and secure your spot today. James, welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. You have a book that just came out this year called Brain Glue. It's right behind you in a nice big print, so we can't miss it. I love having that there. Please tell us a little bit about the genesis of this book, where it all came from, and what's it all about. So let me start with this. I uncovered a secret to becoming rich in business and it's blowing people's minds. Oh. Using behavioral science to make it easier to get people to say yes. And it's absolutely blowing people's minds. I got Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and a series of books. He sold 500 million books and he read it. He started looking at it and he said, he got pissed off at me. I said, why? He said, I have so many books to look at. And I started looking at your book and I couldn't put the damn thing down. He yeah. said, and he's forcing everybody in his company. He got bought books for everybody. He's forcing everybody in his company to, they're required to read the book and start applying it. Okay. And he sold 500 million books. He sold 100 million chicken soup for his soul and 400 million of the chicken soup for the teenage soul, chicken soup for the cancer survivor soul, et cetera. And so he doesn't need me telling him anything. And so like it blew my mind. So as I'm apologizing, sorry, I made you do that. Can I get your testimonials? I have it on recorded too. So just in case, but no, he said, yeah, I gave me permission to use it. But it's, okay. just, it's blowing people's minds. And I have a goal. My goal is a million millionaires. We already have about 161 millionaires that were that pe or people that have read the book and have applied it. And it's just taking them off like crazy. And so brain glue makes your ideas stick to the brain like glue, making it easier to get people to remember your product or idea and buy your product, okay? And it's blowing people's minds. I didn't invent brain glue. I invented the term brain glue. But brain glue has been around for quite a long time. I'll give you some examples of brain glue in use, and then I'll explain where it came from. Okay. Ask not what you, President JFK, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Use a tool called chiasmus, and I'll explain that in detail. Uh, if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit in the O.J. Simpson trial, okay? And uses poetry and street talk 
and it got OJ off for an almost certain guilty verdict, uses a, a key of brain glue. Chicken soup for the soul uses analogy or metaphor, okay? You're not buying chicken soup, you're buying a book, but it's chicken soup for the soul. The whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead, okay? That uh, competitors to Wonder Bread uh, in the early 20th century, Wonder Bread invented sliced bread. And when people say, wow, that's the smartest thing since sliced bread or the best thing since sliced bread, they're actually referring to Wonder Bread, even if they don't realize it, because Wonder Bread invented sliced bread, but they bleach it and it's white. And so eventually there was an illness called pellagra, which is, which is like COVID, that people were dying and they didn't know why. And they finally discovered that people were dying from pellagra because they had an absence of vitamin B3. Eventually they put niacin, which is a big B3 booster to food, and it solved the problem for a lot of people, but they didn't have it back then. And so Wonder Bread dominated for 10 years. They dominated the bread industry and their competitors came up with this phrase, the whiter your bread, the quicker you're dead. Journalists across the country started repeating that phrase and people went, like, really? Ooh, I'm not going to eat Wonder Bread anymore. And it almost bankrupted them. So that's, that's using a rhyme, okay? Yeah. Head and shoulders used head and shoulders, knees and toes, eyes, ears, mouth and nose. Gee, I wonder where they came up with the name head and shoulders. It's because they stole it from a nursery rhyme that they knew was embedded in almost everybody's head. So it would resonate. Utah couple launched the Squatty Potty. They were a mom and her son who had no business experience, but they were sitting on a toilet. My mom was sitting on the toilet and she said, we need to have a, a stool that everybody raises their feet a little bit when they're on the toilet. I don't want to get too much into that. <laughs> but the point was, they said, this is a great idea for a product and they needed to come up with a name. What's another name for toilet is potty. Okay. What rhymes with potty? I don't know. After a lot of thinking, they realized you got a squat, squatty potty. Oh, what a great name. They went from zero to a hundred million dollars in less than two years because of this cool name. Okay. Mm. So it's just, there's just a ton. Carrie Smith changed the name of his company. <laughs> he bought, he had a manufacturing company and he made some money. So he bought another company that made fans, really big fans that are used in farms. Big Carrie ass fans. That's exactly it. You got <laughs> it. And it wasn't called big ass fans initially. He was just selling it as a Joe's fans or whatever it was called. And one day he ran an ad and he said, these are big ass fans. Why don't I run an ad for big ass fans and sales shot through the roof. And then he realized Maybe I should change the name of the product and the company to Big Ass Fans because people love that. Whoa. And so Big Ass Fans took off like gangbusters. Also, what he did was he started getting a little distracted and he said, we're making all this money from Big Ass Fans. Let me sell other products, too. He realized quickly that was distracting him from Big Ass Fans. He dumped them and just focused on Big Ass Fans. Mm. After 15 years in business, you know, most people are struggling. After 15 years in business, they're glad to get some money. Guess how much money he got after 15 years? $500 million he sold his company for after 15 years. James, let me just pause you here for a second. Uh You got me at, you're here to make people rich in business. You Uh got me at, I'm going to make a million millionaires. And you really got me, as you're reading through all these different examples, the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. I remember that one, the chicken soup for your soul. Everybody knows those books, to your point. The glove doesn't fit. You must have quit all these different things. And so I I got the connection I think is you're making is that how you connect with someone's brain and stick there, which is the glue, is one part. And then you start moving to a whole different part here, which is focus. So if I had to dive deep into your book, do I have the first two premises correct? Which is yes. you got to really have something that sticks. 
that, that, that makes the glue. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is double down on your winner, focus, and go. Would mm-hmm. those be two of the elements of your secret sauce? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I had these three guys who were, yeah, absolutely. Can I give you a story? Yeah, please. <laughs> so I had these three guys who were, when I first re- started realizing it, before I called it brain glue, but I started pulling the thing out. I'll tell you how I came up with the concept of brain glue and how I put it all together. Okay. Yep. But once I put it together, there are these three guys who had a construction company. Uh, in Southern California. And I was working with them and I said, let's, let's play this game. Okay. Let's make a shopping list of all the different types of clients you're going after. Okay. And it took an hour. You had to really think, Oh wait, I forgot about this one. Let's go through some of the invoices. Oh yeah. We had these guys and we had a shopping list of all I love whiteboards in week two. I showed up in the whiteboard. I made a shopping list with them of all the different types of clients they went after. And I said, okay, now we're going to play this game. You have to choose one type of client you're going after and nobody else. You have to say no to everybody else. He said, we don't want to do that. I said, I, I, don't worry about it. It's just a game right now, okay? Let's come up with one. Took a few minutes and he finally said, that one over there, fire restoration for insurance companies. You know, I didn't know that, but I realized that in talking to them, okay, it's an insurance company. Every time they have somebody that has a fire, so the first thing you do is you go in and you check the frame. If the frame is damaged, you got to tear down the whole house. If it's not damaged, you got to put it up, make sure it's not going to catch fire again and stuff like that and satisfy the client. So I said, okay, so fire restoration for insurance companies. So we need to come up with a trigger phrase for you guys, okay, because they didn't want to change your name. So I said, well, the first thing your client thinks of if you're talking to an insurance guy uh, at an insurance company is fire. So let's include the word fire in whatever we're doing. Why don't we call you guys the fire extinguisher for insurance companies? We'll get the website FireX. They said, huh, that's funny. He said, yeah, but let's do it. Okay, let's try it. They went out and they said, okay, they went to an insurance company and they said, so I want you guys to think of us as your fire extinguisher. Every time you have a fire, we're not going to put out the fire, but we're the fire extinguisher. We'll fix it. And they said, not, clients started laughing while they were writing a purchase order. Yes. And they said it was so easy. We started trying it at other insurance companies and they started buying from us like crazy. It's like, because every time there was a fire, they had a client with a fire, they went, let's call a fire extinguisher, firex.com. And they got these guys and sales went from, it took them 10 years to reach 2 million in sales. And one year I took them to 10. By the way, they razzed the hell out of me because they said, hey, the bond, the goal was supposed to be 12 million. My response is shut up. Okay. <laughs> they bought each other brand new, big, the biggest BMWs you can get. Then two years later, they reached 32 million in sales just by focusing on this one narrow area and having a hook, having a brain glue power hook. And it's just, it's, and, I, and that was the first one I read it. And it was all theoretical. It made sense. I took all these examples from history and things that I knew and everything else. But once I started applying it with clients, it blew my mind. It's, Does this work easier than I thought? Wow. And I teach at the U.S. Small Business Administration. So I'll have sometimes, sometimes small groups of 15 or 20, but usually 200 or 300 people. And it just blows their minds. People start, they start writing them down and and everything else. And of course, just because people wrote it down or read the book doesn't mean they'll apply it. But the people that apply it, I've got over 161 people, more than that, but that have applied it and have come back and shown how their business has exploded because of it. Wow. It's really because it uses, so there's two scientists, there's Gerald Saltman, who's at Harvard University. And then there's Daniel Kahneman, who's a Nobel Prize winning psychologist. And they both discovered independently that more than 90% of decision making happens on the right side of the brain. Yeah. That's why we say in marketing, no, they want you to know and trust you. Yeah, because you're probably selling logic and not emotion. Okay. 
you, if we're selling to the masses, and I ran an advertising agency, so I know selling to the masses how it works. You need a brain trigger because you can't trust the fact that they, you can't just rely on no trust. Hopefully they do, no trust you. But you want to trigger the emotion sides of the brain. There's something called Hebb's Law in neuroscience, which says neurons that fire together wire together. Which means if you say a chicken soup for the soul, people, how does the brain work? The first thing it goes is chicken soup for the soul. Jack Canfield was telling me, he, he came up with a book with 101, with a co-author, but he came up with the concept of he had 101 motivating stories that really change, can change your life. What are you going to call it? 101 motivating stories that really change your life? He wanted something yeah. different. So he was thinking about it, and he couldn't come up with something. After a few days, a few weeks, actually, he woke up one morning. And he said, wait, chicken soup makes you feel good. So why don't we call the book Chicken Soup for the Spirit? Okay, so chicken soup for the spirit. It doesn't really sound right, but it's close. It's chicken soups, which is good. And he said, it took a while for me to come up with it, but I realized alliteration, which is another brain glue tool. Soup, soul, S-O-U-P, S-O-U-L. That sounds better. Chicken soup for the soul, and the rest, as they say, is history. Obviously, you have to work to get people to uh, introduce the book initially, but it, sales took off, and he sold 500 million, 100 million of that book and 400 million of other, uh, the other books in the series just because it had chicken soup for the soul. So what happens with the brain is the brain goes, oh, here's a book, chicken soup for the soul. And your brain has to figure out like, what chicken soup for the soul, what does that mean? Oh, chicken soup, I guess that makes you feel good for the soul. Oh yeah, that, that resonates with me because it's triggering the emotion sides of the brain, but different parts of the brain at the same time. And going back to Hebb's law, neurons that fire together, wire together. So every time you see the book, it automatically triggers all these things. And suddenly people are going, the more you can engage a person, particularly emotionally with the emotion sides of the brain, the more likely they are to buy your product or idea. I love uh, chiasmus. So chiasmus is the opposite of, of rhyme. Okay. So let me give you some examples. I'd like to tell you how I came up with this so you understand how it all fit together. So rhyme is A-B-A-B. Okay. Chiasmus is A-B-A. It's a flip and I'll show you how. Okay. So winners never quit and quitters never win. Okay, yep. when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Okay, chiasmus. It's really powerful. President John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And that resonates. I talked to people who were born long after Kennedy, and they know that phrase. How could they know that phrase? Somehow somebody repeated it to them, or they heard it, or something like that. He also said, mankind must put an end to war, or war will put an end to mankind. I mean, these are powerful. Is that the chiasmus where it was A, B? Yes. Because I noticed you repeating the second word in the first phrase. The second phrase started with it. Absolutely. B, B, A. Yeah, and it's, it's a flip. It could be opposites too, okay? But, and I'll give you some examples of opposites. But it's basically, uh, Malcolm X said, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's opposites, okay? So it doesn't really flip, but it, flip, it flips by giving you an opposite. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. These are really powerful. Mae West, okay, who was in the early film industry, had loved them. She said, it's better to be looked over than overlooked. Okay, she was hilarious. It works in poetry, but it also works in products because you have in and out Burger, in and out It's opposites, okay? Icy Hot Patches. And so it, it sticks to the brain. There are certain patterns that stick to the brain. And when you understand which patterns stick to the brain, you start and you use it, suddenly you can take a pattern that exists already or you could create a pattern by taking advantage of something like rhyme or chiasmus or alliteration. 
And alliteration, let me give you some examples of alliteration because alliteration I think is mind blowing too. Think of products, alliteration is repetition of sounds. So things like, let's say toys for example, yo-yo, pickleball, hula hoop, a silly putty, Super, the Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys remember the Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl was this ball that had an incredible bounce. You bounce it on the ground, it would go all, all the way up to the ceiling practically. And it was really popular. So the NFL had their final game. They called it the NFL Championship Game. But then they realized people know Super Bowl. They love Super Bowl. Why don't we call ours the Super Bowl? The rest, as they say, is history. So let's recap these. Rich, I'm curious if you got the same ones I got so far. But in order to create a name that sticks, I got Hebb's Law, Chiasmus, and Alliteration. I've also got Opposites, Poetry and Street Talk, Analogy and Metaphor, Nursery Rhyme. So how many are there? Fourteen. Fourteen of them. Okay. And there's 14 different strategies. James, what percentage of your book is about naming conventions? Is that the whole book or is oh. that roughly half of it? Or about what percentage of the book is about naming conventions, which the beginning 70%. of this podcast is focused on? 70%, I think. So let me give you an example. I had an advertising agency in Montreal. So about 70% of it, but I mix it with jokes. I mix it with famous phrases and stuff like that. So people can understand this apply, This is a human thing. This is not a, this is a marketing thing. I have a marketing background. Okay, this is marketing. You definitely want to know this in marketing, but it's a human thing. Okay, I'll give, let me give you a human example. Okay, for a second. So this mom says to me, it's always, I get terrified when people say, you're an expert in brain glue. Help me with this. Okay, I hope this works. She says, my son, he's 14 years old. And he said, he asked me this question. I have no idea how to answer it. He said, mom, why do we have to follow so many rules in life? Okay, so it's like, oh shit, I'm sorry, <laughs> shoot. So he, so I'm like, okay. Um, so she says to me, how do we answer that? So I went, okay, fool. Why do we have to follow so many rules in life? What rhymes with rules? Fools. The only fools don't follow rules. That's part of this. But let's punch it up even more. Let's put an analogy or a metaphor. And so I'm thinking with her, and I came up with one with her. And then I sat down with her son. And I said, so your mom said, you're asking why do we have to follow so many rules in life? And he said, yeah. I said, when you're thirsty, you could drink out of the toilet. But why would you ever want to? Think about it. Only only fools don't follow rules. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> First, when it, you get a 14-year-old to ever say it makes anything makes sense, you got to escape because I figured he's going to ask me another question. So that was the first thing. But does it really make sense or did I just trigger parts of his brain? So let me give you two examples. There's political examples, okay? And I'm not taking politics sides. I just, I love brain glue. The first one is you can't hug a child with nuclear arms. Okay, so what have we done? It's called anchoring. We took, you can't hug a child with people who are affected emotionally with nuclear arms, which are affected emotionally, but totally different emotions, okay? And you bring them together. You can't hug a child with nuclear arms. Here's another one. And I am not against or for the right to bear arms. I want to let everybody know that, okay? So if you're for or against it, don't worry about it, but consider the power of this. A comedian said this, the right to bear arms is almost as crazy as the right to arm bears. Chiasmus, okay? And I can see people laughing. <laughs> okay, but it stays with them. Stays with you. And Biden's built back better. You think it's a you think it's a coincidence that he uses alliteration? 
Trump's Make America Great Again. Look at the great again. You think it's a coincidence these guys use alliteration? No, because they got experts in brain science or marketing and they understand these are power tools. I can throw garbage at you, but if I give you a good name, there's a good chance you're going to at least somehow get hooked to it. Hopefully, so here's a good product. So, James, our, the business that I work in is the painting business. And one of the slogans we used for a period of years was take the pain out of painting. That's fabulous. <laughs> is that alliteration? It absolutely is. John, That's do you cool. have other examples that either you've used in any of your businesses for marketing or I was just trying to think of examples to go, all right, which one of the 14 naming conventions was at play here? Because I actually remember that one. As you're thinking of my question, I want to come back to you, John, because I know I'm putting you on the spot. I want you to know, James, in the background, while I had spotlighted you in the camera, I was on my other screen fact-checking you on this Super Bowl story you told, and it turns out it's true. <laughs> it was Lamar Hunt, the main founder of the American Football League and owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, who came up with the term Super Bowl, and his son, Lamar Hunt Jr., explained the idea came from his Super Bowl toy. So... I want you to know that was outlandish to me, and I'm sorry. I will believe you and your stories moving forward in this <laughs> podcast, James. John, uh, can you think of any that either are a product or a service that well, are that, that you remember or one with... that you've used? Can I, while he's doing that, while he's thinking of that, can I give you some examples of something that I think uh, I saw on a Shark Tank? Wally Amos who did famous Amos cookies. Okay, <laughs> and. He was talking about how famous sad Amos, he was. Rhyming. Famous Amos. Famous Amos. Perfect name. Rhyme for sure. Okay. And alliteration. But it's, yeah, often you get rhyme and alliteration go together. But famous Amos is perfect. You can't, once you hear it, you can't not remember it. Okay. Except he's not allowed to use famous Amos anymore. I know things have changed for him. Now they're using him as a spokesperson. But on, on Shark Tank, he was like struggling financially. I think he, he sold it for a million dollars and then they sold it for $60 million and he was frustrated because they got more money than him. But he's not allowed to use the name Famous Amos, which he's famous for, and he's not allowed to use his face. So I have a, this guy who's telling me, his name is Bob Johnson. And he's opening a bakery and he said, I want to call it like Johnson's Bakery. But he said, I read your book and I don't, what else should I call it? So I said, there are two things you can call it. You can call it Big Bob's Bakery if you want to use alliteration. He said, oh, that's really cool. I said, if you really want to have fun, you can call it Bad Boys Bakery. And he went, I like that more. So he's putting up the sign, Bad Boys Bakery. I think you're driving along or you're walking in the street and you go, Bad Boys Bakery. Whoa, what's that? It's just, it's like it hooks you. And if it hooks you, it drags you sort of toward, like, drags you towards it. And, and so, it makes you want. So James, we're the only one I could think of, Rich, and I'm, it's a more of a question on this one because it's relevant, is we're running an event called the Entrepreneurs United Empowerment Experience. Is empowerment experience fit anywhere in here? Because well, the experience does. Empowerment is, I love entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs is heavily left brain. Yeah. Empowerment is very left brain. Power is right brain. The experience is a very important word to you. So that's a yep. good one. Yeah. So you know, in, in other words, what you're saying is you need another word of experience that's right brain, not left brain? Yes. You don't need it, but you'll get better response and get better memory if you'll get if you get it. Okay, so, so let's do, just do a trial experience. run. Let's do a trial. This, this is very interesting. So uh -oh. we're running an event in Austin, by the way. would love for you to attend if you wanted to come. 
called the Entrepreneurs United Empowerment Experience. And it's an experience for 50 entrepreneurs that are trying to grow their businesses or have grown their businesses and looking to network and grow and so on and so forth. And we've called it the Entrepreneurs United Empowerment Experience. If we hired you as a consultant right now and said, look, help us come up with a new name for this event right now. We're going to rebrand it because we want it to be catchier and better according to everything we're learning here on Brain Glue. How would you consult us on that name? First, I would spend more time doing that just doing it off the top of my head. But off the top of my head, we'd brainstorm. we put stuff on a whiteboard, okay? The power push for entrepreneurs would be one of the things I was thinking about. Empowerment is power. Power. So somehow I use the word power. The, and it doesn't have to use alliteration, okay? Yep. So don't get hooked on just the fact that you look, but I love power experience for entrepreneurs somehow. Okay. The boost of power, electric power for entrepreneurs, lightning power for entrepreneurs, lightning cash power for entrepreneurs, ca- the power cash flow on, for entrepreneurs. But I love, I use this line all the time. You guys can use it if you want. I say, you don't want, most people don't want cash. I know you think you want cash. You don't want cash. You want cash flow. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. And so that's what we want to do is the entrepreneur's power cash flow experience. Or, I don't okay. Know. So in other words, we called it the thought. empowerment experience, but it would be better if it was called the power experience versus the empower experience, empowerment experience, actually is what we've called it. The empowerment experience would be better if it was the power experience as an example. Or you could say the empowerment power experience and so repeat it that way. Ooh, that's interesting empowerment power experience okay so maybe the same question i would have here. because remember what you're trying to say is you're trying to get them excited so empowerment experience does that sound like really because empowerment is a left brain word i love the word but and i use it all the time but i let me tell you a thing about my book okay <laughs> i'm a left brain guy most of us are okay this is basically how to sell right brain for left brain people mostly okay yeah okay and so my book was originally called um, sell more with the right brain marketing strategy. Because I wanted to teach people what it is. Jack Canfield read my book. He was tortured. And he said, I love your book. I couldn't put the damn thing down, everything else. But I'll give you a testimonial, but you got to change the name. The whole book is about brain glue. Call it brain glue. It's, you have a left brain title and you're trying to teach us how to sell with right brain. I'm like, what? And with books on Amazon, especially, once you pass 100 reviews, then they, it gets into their algorithm and they start promoting it more without you having to spend a fortune. And so I'm like close to a hundred reviews. And he said, no, you got to, you want to use my testimonials. You got to change it. You got to be what you're selling. Okay. You're Good selling point. brain glue. You got to go to that. Give me a little bit of an overview here on, I'm an entrepreneur listening to this episode. I already have a company, but company has been around for 10 plus years. It's already called something to the point of your example on Amazon. And I want to stop you just for a second and say, it's my, my construction guys were like that. They didn't want to change the name. So we created a power phrase to use on top of the name. Okay. So let's hold that for a second. Okay. Because you may have answered the question, but I just want to follow through my process here. That didn't work in your book's case. You couldn't just create a new subtitle to that long left minded title that you had and have your book do better. Changing the title of your name to brain glue and losing all your reviews and starting from scratch was the decision that was made. When does an entrepreneur make a decision or when would you encourage an entrepreneur to make a decision? Would be like, and your company's name is a little bit too left brained. It's not really going to connect with people. You got to scratch this. And re- I know you spent $100 million on marketing in the last 10 years, but we're going to change this now or whatever. What, how does that come to be? And how do you get entrepreneurs over that edge? Because startups are different. I'm starting a bakery. Hey, James, help me with this naming. Because a lot of entrepreneurs just really aren't that creative when it comes down to it. I can see the startup being a very perfect spot to work with somebody. 
But when you're in the middle of your business growth, you're trying to break through that messy middle, what would be maybe the criteria to which an entrepreneur listening to this should be like, yeah, I think we need a rebranding versus, yeah, we need a subtitle better to our business name versus, you know what? I'm good. I forget his name, but this guy started Open Kettle, okay? And he was thinking through the process because he was trying to get more people coming to his restaurant, and they weren't. And he said, let's sell donuts. And he came up with the idea of we're going to have donuts, you know, donuts and coffee. We also came up with the idea of, because coffee back then tasted like crap, but when you go, went to high-end hotels, they had fantastic coffee. So he decided we're going to get the same type, the same coffees that high-end hotels offer, and we'll offer donuts. And we'll offer donuts in lots of different tastes. We'll have all these different, 52 different varieties of donuts or whatever it was, okay? But people weren't coming to the restaurant. And he said, this is fantastic. People would come in and loved it, but nobody would come. Almost nobody came to the restaurant. So then he was struggling. And he said to one of the guys that worked there, so how do people eat the donuts? What, like, how does it go? And it said, they dunk them in the coffee. He goes, oh, why don't we change the name to Dunkin' Donuts? As he's putting the sign up outside, Dunkin' Donuts, suddenly lines start forming for people to, do, to, to come into the restaurant. Dunkin' Donuts, okay? He used alliteration. But he also made it obvious what the product he was selling was. So John Gray, this is the thing that blew my mind and started this whole process. I originally ran an advertising agency in Montreal. Okay, I'm, I live in Southern California for 32 years. But I started in Montreal. I ran an advertising agency, worked my way up. And then one major clients like Kraft, Timex, Avon, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, their world headquarters in Montreal. And, but I'm very left brain, So I had logic and beauty, and beauty and stuff like that. And that's why they bought our, our advertising. Then I had an opportunity through our connections to win the anti-drug campaign in America. And I came up with a fantastic, they loved the idea, a fantastic logical reason why you shouldn't do drugs. And we lost. As soon as I start explaining to it, you'll know who I lost to. This guy has an egg saying, this is your brain. Breaks the shell and drops it into a flying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? When I saw it, two things happened. The first one was, I knew this was a gazillion times better than our ad, no matter how good, and, and people loved our ad. That was, oh, that touches you emotionally. Whoa, this is heavy. The second thing is, and how did they come up with it? I realized as they're doing the book, they were sitting around a table and, they, and somebody went, so, so what happens when you take drugs? I guess your brain gets fried. What else gets fried? Eggs. Oh, I got it. So let's do frying eggs. This is your brain frying on drugs. Mm-hmm. It just works. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was it terrified me because I realized this is emotional selling and I have no clue how to do emotional selling, not a clue at all. So I created this thing I call a passion box, I, a box next to my computer. And every time I, so, so your brain on drugs, I wrote on a three by five card and I put it in the box. And every time I go somewhere, every time I'd see an ad or something in a magazine or something, I'd tear it out and put it in a box. Eventually I started putting phrases in the box, like ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for a country. Because I can relate to the fact that there's a pattern. I don't know what the pattern is yet, and I'm not going to overanalyze it. Let me just put these things in the box. Eventually, I met John Gray when we moved to California. And John Gray wrote one of the best relationship books ever, Men, Women, and Relationships. But he was telling me how he's frustrated. And you already know what it is. Exactly. He was frustrated because he sold 2,000 copies. And yeah. so if you sell a book and you make a buck a book, 2,000 copies, you better get another job, okay? And he was frustrated because he knew this was a fabulous, and people who read it, like, loved it, but it just wasn't resonating. So he's sitting in an audience of people where he's trying to promote the book, 
And he said, he said something and all the women in the audience started laughing like crazy. And the men looked at the women like, what's so funny that he just said? And then he said, there are certain things that men laugh at. There are certain things that women laugh at that men don't laugh at. The men are very different. So one of the women in the audience says, so it's almost like men are from a different planet. What planet are men from? And he goes, I guess men are from Mars. And the whole audience laughed. So when he got home, he's thinking, wow, this is the mo- that was the most engaging thing I ever presented to the audience. Men are from Mars. Where are women from? Women are from Venus. Venus is the god of love. And then he got this crazy idea. What if I change the title of the book? And then I'll do references of men are from Mars. It'll be the same book, but I'll do references of men are from Mars, women are from Venus throughout the book. What do you think happened when he changed the title? First, it sold half a million copies almost overnight. Half a million. Whoa. Then a million, then two million, then five million. So he went from 2,000 to 50 million copies. If you take him and if you take the guy with Dunkin' Donuts, understand if you have a business and you can put it into the slogan, that's great. Like people like me and I, because I buy into brain glue and the concept. Jack Canfield said, you're a brain glue guy. You discover this thing. It's blowing people's minds and everything else. You're a brain glue guy. Why are you calling your book anything but brain glue? Even if you have to fight a little bit, it's going to take off like this. He said, if you still don't sell 10 million books, if this isn't mandatory in every business school, they're stupid because this is just, it's such a basic thing. It's basically, I've reverse engineered blockbusters. And I said, I found patterns. I said, hey, you can copy this pattern. And guess what? You'll probably get a blockbuster too because it triggers the emotion side of the brain. And just one thing about my name, Brain Glue. People who I know who are friends with me thanked me for changing the name. And the reason they thanked me for changing the name was they said, I couldn't remember the name. Sell more with the right brain marketing strategy. How do you remember that? You can't- that is a perfect segue. I want to take two absolute right turns from the direction we've been going. The first right turn I want to take is, when did you change your name to James I. Bond and why <laughs> I never, did I you select it? Let's start there. I was thinking this, okay? So I was born after the books and before the movies, okay? And I think my parents my I think my parents had a sense of humor, evil humor. <laughs> so you were born James I. Bond. You didn't my change My name's it? James Bond. My whole life is... I evil. don't believe it. I'm going to look, just like you looked up the Super Bowl story, Rich, I'm going to look this one up because I don't believe it because that's brain glue in and of itself. Yeah, because no way you were born to brain glue, mind trick us in this name. Like, I'm not buying that. John, the first one is James Bond. That's obvious. The less obvious one is I-Bond, which is a government bond. Yeah. (laughs) I don't buy it. There's no way. That's awesome. (laughs) So when Daniel Craig became the new James Bond. Sadly, he's left that now, but I got a call from MTV. I was surprised. They said, we're calling, there are over a thousand James Bonds in America. And we're just calling to find out what it's like being James Bond. And I was telling them how people hang up on me. I had this guy who's an investment banker named Jesse James. Is that a good name for a banker? (laughs) Bank robber, Jesse James. And I called his office and I said, it's Jesse. And she said, who's calling? I said, James Bond. He said, yeah, (laughs) hung up on me. I got the right turn number two that you are not expecting. If you could go back in time and rename your other book on the secret life of fathers, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem to follow the principles of brain glue. What would you name that book? Uh, Daddy's crying or something like that. (laughs) Okay. And that book looks like that was published in 2017. And is that book still something that 
you are driving as well? Or is that just out there and Brain Glue is really where your brand is at? Brain Glue is where I'm at. I'm Having done Brain Glue, I'm going to redo the book. It's good. People loved it. But it's, and I, I interviewed 100 fathers and daughters. So we yeah. had 101 interviews and it was just profound. Anyway, but that's the father-daughter thing. I love that. Yeah. And, <clears throat> I got one. I got a last one for you here, James. And now I'm scared to ask, actually. Uh, so I'm launching my first book this year uh-huh. and I'm now I'm definitely afraid to make a mistake. And the book title is called the hundred million dollar journey. Okay. And I love your take Terrible. on it and any suggestions for improvement. Obviously you may have, you may not be able to answer that question because you don't know all the background story and everything else, but how does that name resonate? I was going to say on a scale, why don't we start with on a scale of one to 10, what do you think of the hundred million dollar journey? How like would you, you rank it? I like it when you see $100 million, somehow it's right brain. It is emotional. $100 million journey is actually interesting. You have to have a spunky subtitle. Okay. So maybe that's where I need to think. This made me cry. Don't cry when you do this. All right. Something like what people go, huh? You know, something like this. If you want to spark them, you want to spark $100 million journey. Okay. I'm not going to attack you on this, but I think it's a good title. But it sounds like something I've already seen before. It isn't, but it sounds like it because it's oh yeah, Jack Canfield write 101 motivational stories. Yeah. It might have, he might have been the first one to do it, but it sounds like something you've heard before. So the hundred million dollar journey is definitely good, but you got to have a spark in there. Okay, um, I like it. I like it. Okay, thank you. Is an easy way to do it. That's very helpful, James. Thanks for coming on the podcast. If people want to learn more or get Brain Glue, I'm assuming Brain Glue is on Amazon and all the other providers out there. Yes, uh, it is. is there anywhere else they should go if they're like, hey, I actually need James in my office with a whiteboard tomorrow. We need <laughs> to do this. Is there any offerings you have on that side? Semi-retired from that. So let me start there. Okay. But I love helping people. There are two things. Okay. The first one is go to braingluebook.com and it'll take you right to the Amazon page. You don't even have to look for it on Amazon. Braingluebook.com will take you right to the page. There's an audio book. I did not do the narration. We got this fantastic guy. Johnny Unitas, he's got this fantastic story that we've got on there. It's uh, on the audio, free uh, part of the audio thing. I love it. I love it. James, thank you very much. Braingluebook.com. And by the way, just one last thing. When you get the book, at the back of the book, it gives you an opportunity to get absolutely free this like game that you get, okay. the Brain Glue Guide. That has a, it's a mini book with, a ga- with kind of a game in it, so it makes it easier for you to do this. But I have a ton of people that have read the book and just they don't even need the game or anything. It works like crazy. So bringbluebook.com. Awesome. Thanks a lot, James. Thank you, James. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. Rich, I'm highly contemplating changing my podcaster name to Johnny Vegas. I just don't think that John St. Pierre really has the brain glue necessary to really attract more viewers to our podcast. What do you think? Does that mean I should change to Richie Rich? That's not a bad idea. <laughs> You'd be Johnny and I'd be Richie, Johnny Vegas and Richie Rich. Isn't that a hard story to believe that he was born James Ibond? James Ibond, not just James and, Bond, James Ibond. And his whole life's mission is brain glue. Yes. Isn't that kind of interesting how sometimes the coincidences of the world or it's meant to be just comes together? Because as the story, as the conversation was going on, I was like, there's no way this guy's name is James I. Bond. There's just, it's too much brain glue. Like it myth, meets the book's mission. It has to be like yes. some actors or singers, they change their name to be a little more catchy. By the way, that happens in the entertainment industry all the time. 
people change their name because they want it to really be more brain glue. So I just automatically assume this is his author name that has more brain glue. I figured it had to be the case. You and I on former podcasts, we've talked about and explored with some guests, the reticular activating system, the yes. RAS. And that is in your subconscious. What is it in the world that presents itself to you? I do wonder, John, if a life of James Bond as your name and people are associating you with low seven, if there's something in his reticular activating system that drew him to the importance of naming conventions, I have to think that is not just serendipitous. It's not a lucky coincidence that happened. I wonder if there's something in his subconscious that drew him to what is so interesting about memorable names. Yeah, that's a very interesting way to think about it, right? Did he grow to be who he is today and partly had to do with him having that name and the movie's coming out, it's popular and he's getting phone calls of people saying, hey, are you the James? How does it feel to be like James Bond? And that connection between that name and who his identity, but then also then seeing this pattern playing out. You you must remember the, this is your brain. <laughs> this is your brain yes. on drugs. Yes. That is one of the, most iconic advertising ads of our time. And I'm sure that had a play in him too. He's in the marketing agency, he loses this campaign and he's like, well, what's the pattern that's being developed here? And then he sees it over and over again. And that advertising campaign, which you know caused him to lose the bid, a small little failure in the grand micro microcosm, of, macrocosm of everything, but he fails in this thing. He's like, what's going on here? What's the secret sauce? And goes to figure that one out. And the examples he was giving from big ass fans to the Wonder Bread example, all of them are phenomenal examples of how these things just stay connected. So I love the title of his book, Wrangle. It completely he makes no, sense. He gave no examples that I didn't already know. That Squatty I had already heard of. I, I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said that people have read the book and they say, oh, our universities and colleges would be crazy not to have people read this for business or for marketing. And it really got me to thinking that for two pieces in my world, one, I coach some of our speakers at CertiPro and work with them on some of their messaging and their speaking skills as well. And I'm wondering if I want to get this book and I'm wondering if I can up my skill of working with someone on what's the tagline of a message mm. that they're delivering so that it will be memorable and have that be part of a service that I provide people when I coach them on speaking. That's number one. Number two, I work with all of our program developers and distributors, if you want to call it that, all of our trainers that design our programs. And we have lots of models and lots of systems. And there has to be something that I've never tapped into in the naming convention on how we could get people to remember the use of the right tools in their role at the right time. There's something I've definitely not tapped into in naming conventions and memory. So I think this is legitimately immediately applicable to two big things that I do in my world. And I think it'll help me get better. I'm going to buy it on Amazon immediately after we stop this recording yeah so am i it's just perfect timing for me as well with you know just the different things that were going on but when you even think in his scenario 
He wrote the book on this and titled his book yes. in a non-brain glue fashion. Yeah. And basically had to be like, oh my gosh, like I did it to myself because we all have this left brain kind of thought process sometimes, not all of us, but many of us. And I got to think through, I'm certainly left brain minded and really opening myself up to exactly what you just said, looking at messages or speaking or titles of things or how you're naming a product or service or whatever. Just really twisting that a little bit and having taken some of these 14 methods or stuff, we didn't even get through. I think I caught three of them. You caught a whole bunch of other ones, but it's just interesting to see that whole list. And you used to be really big. You still probably are really big with words and the words that you use and whether it be the sales process or other different types of styles of communication. So this is right up your alley, that communication component. Absolutely. And using words with intention. I did look on. Amazon just now, and both of his books are on there, funny enough. Brain Glue is on there. It has 92 reviews. He said he was nearing 100. And then also, Sell More with a Right Brain Marketing Strategy is also on there. It only has 80 reviews, and it has four and a half stars. When I look at the Brain Glue one, it has more stars. Now, we know from just having talked to the author, it's the very same book. And by the way, interestingly enough, Sell more with a right brain marketing strategy. It's $27.50 or 25 cents for the hardcover, $27.50. The other book is $19.97. I don't know. I would wish I wish I had looked this up and asked him about what's the deal with the pricing strategy? Why are you changing the price and why is it worth more for this whole title that you ended up going away from? Yeah, it's interesting that whole, we didn't get into this, the ability for entrepreneurs to pivot. I really respect that about him, that he was somewhat forced to by That's hard. by the person who wanted to put it on the cover, but I'm sure he's going to love that decision down the road. Just that example of men are from Mars, women are from Venus. When I read the book, that's what it was called. And it was yes. catchy and it's Same. still even used. I even use this today with my wife sometimes. I don't do something she expects me to do. Like, oh, I'm from Mars. <laughs> it's caught on and it's changed the whole generation and how people talk. So I really can connect with that. I hope we can create some more of those types of naming conventions for what we do, what our entrepreneurs are listening to this do. And I definitely see how it could put something really on a fast, accelerated pace.